Today on I'll Have You Know. My biggest thing I would say for an entrepreneur is have mentors, get into a group so you can share your problems and other people have answers that you don't have. And also for the, just the, the psychological and emotional support of it. Almost three decades of experience, two company exits, and one entrepreneur. Today, we're talking with Sean Self, Rice Business Class of 2006 from the Executive MBA program. The medical device executive talks patents, publications, and his advice to other aspiring entrepreneurs. Joining us today on I'll Have You Know is Sean Self, Rice Business Class of 2006 Executive MBA. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Christine. I'm, I'm glad to be here and glad to talk with you. Well, first of all, you are a double alum. I'm not sure if that's the technical word, a, a two-time Al, <laughs> both an undergrad and a Rice business degree. Can you take us back a little bit to the beginning and in, in the first time you decided to choose Rice and why? Yeah. So, uh, well, this was going back to 1989. <laughs> I lived in Louisiana, and so I went to a boarding school. My dad had said some things about Rice, and I visited, and I loved it. And I was like, this is where I want to go to school. So if I hadn't, Georgia Tech was kind of my fallback school and I got admitted there. I had got a full scholarship there, but I was like, no, I want to go to Rice, <laughs> you know, uh, and I was a science, you know, kind of guy. So, uh, yeah, I, I came to Rice to start my career as a mechanical engineer or student career as a, as a mechanical engineer and just love the experience. It's a Everybody who's gone to Rice, especially as an undergraduate, they stay together as friends almost forever. So it's it's it was wonderful. So that that was kind of my experience as an undergraduate, just kind of briefly, I guess. Uh, I graduated. I had no job. <laughs> it was kind of like a, the economy was similar to today, and so uh, you know, my first, I I was offered a job without without pay uh, to uh, come in and try to help build back this company that had been shut down by the FDA. So I just kind of stumbled into the medical device industry without any strategy or anything at all. So, but uh, that's kind of my undergraduate to, you know, first, first uh, job kind of uh, uh, story. What led you to return to Rice, to, to Rice Business, to get your MBA? You know, there was a, a big project that I had to do to get us back into good graces with the FDA. So the person who brought me into the company was an engineer. I had an engineering degree, but I spent my sort of engineering skills doing studies, you know, on products, making sure they're sterile, uh, looking at processes. We did all of our own manufacturing. Um, and uh, so... The one thing I think that a Rice undergraduate degree prepares you for, like for your lifetime, is that you learn how to under how to how to dig stuff out, and how to research and how to, you know, do something that you don't even know anything about. You can research it and become pretty proficient at it. All my, all my, you know, fellow students were like that. You know, from Rice, it, it was one of the 
the best experiences that I've had was with the other students, really. I, I consider myself, it was my entrepreneurial, first entrepreneurial endeavor because it was not not going. And so I was in on kind of the startup of it, essentially. And uh, so I, I did the FDA, we passed. I set up all the operation systems and we got ISO 9001 certified. This was back when that was a big, a big deal. Uh, and then, and then one day our sales manager went and uh, she ran down the hall and I was like, that's kind of odd. And, and she came back and then she said, I've got a new job. I'm going to be leaving. Okay. So I sat back in my chair and five minutes later, I was, I was in the, in the, my boss's office. And I was like, you know, Hey, I want to try to do this. Okay. You know, I don't know anything about sales and marketing except what I've seen, but if those guys could do it, I could do it too, you know? And, uh, so, you know, that was a, that was my first big jump into a pool where I didn't really have a lot of experience. That manager also had three or four people in the department and she helped the company she went to hire them all away from us. <laughs> so I ended up being in this department in sales by myself with not a lot of experience, you know? So I was like, well, okay, you know, we'll, we'll start at square one. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, so I was able to kind of pull it together myself for a little while. And then all the things that I've done, I've done the jobs, you know, and then I've, I've written out how I thought the jobs ought to be done and then I've put people in place and managed them. So it's not just, Hey, come and do that. You know, it's like, I have actually done this job. So, you know, we can, I'm knowledgeable enough about it to really be a good manager at it. So there I was in charge of manufacturing and operations and sales and marketing. And, uh, you know, I loved it the president of the company at the time, he was an inventor. Okay. And, and he was a mentor to me and he's who I learned my business ethics from because he would not cut corners. He would always do the right thing. He would not, you know, the temptation to do X, Y, Z that, you know, might not be hundred percent, you know, up and up never, never did that, you know? So, uh, so that that really rubbed off on me because I saw people respect you, you know, they your team looks at you to lead and what decisions you make and to give back to the employees, you know, that that, uh, you know, work for you and, and they're trusting that you're going to do a good job. So that just got, got kind of ingrained in me, I think. And at, uh, sort of at the end of it, we had about 80 employees who were doing like full blown molding, machining, assembly, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I got exposed to just about everything that you could get exposed to as far as a medical device company goes. Can you clarify when you made the pivot from being an employee to an actual entrepreneur? Was that in that role? I invested, I, I got stock options, you know, kind of at the beginning. I never, I never really put my own money into the business as, as a kind of an entrepreneur, you know, specifically, but, you know, I worked, you know, for $25,000 a year for a certain amount of time. And, and I, and I just, I dedicated my life to this business, you know, and, 
and just did whatever it took. What equity? Exactly. And uh, most people would have taken a job like that and uh, use it as a stepping stone, you know, for something else. But I had so much of me in the business that I was like, no, man, I, I know this. I'm going to go. There's more to do here, you know. Uh, and what happened was things started moving fast. And, you know, whereas I could say, well, I, I'm not sure for maybe something finance related. What What is a typical, you know, uh, pre-money, pre-money, post-money, all that jargon and everything. I mean, I could look it up, but I didn't have time to anymore. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go back, get my MBA so that at least I have the toolbox, you know, like when people talked to me or made an offer or negotiated, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. I could just go get the right tool and apply the right tool. So it, it, it was that. In fact, I was kind of the poster child for bringing, I immediately brought all the stuff from my uh, MBA classes back to the company and started using them in the company. (laughs) We grew that company was so profitable uh, and just a cash cow. And we got to a point where it was going to be hard for us to get to that next level. uh, And a company came along and offered to buy it you know, and it was a great valuation. And I I just told everybody, we've got to take this money. It's, you know, uh, people, some people were getting older, you know, and, you know, you want to reap the fruits of your, you know, labors, you know, while you can still, you know, use them. So everybody was on board with that. And uh, that was kind of the, you know, so that was my first endeavor, how did your rice business experience help you in that role? I mean, you talked about, you know, you you put a lot of those things into practice right away, but is there one or two things in particular that you really felt like really helped you? My favorite class was a class on integrated branding. I've got the book right here on my desk. And there was a, a visiting prof who he taught a mar- this marketing class. It was not marketing 101, but it was on branding and, and integrated branding. And so I just fell in love with it. So I brought that immediately back to the company. And uh, so it, it was a process of, of defining your values as a company first. And then, so you get to bring in all the managers, all the people, what are, what is it that we value and define it? And so people have a, con- you know, sometimes you get, into business, you drift off and you, you need to look around and see your anchor, you know, your, your buoys in the, in the water to keep you on track. And, and that's what I believe those things do when you find yourself, well, what should I do? You look towards your values and, and you make that decision. And so what happened with us was we did a rebranding project actually with Bo Bodie, who's a very active. He was an MBA, uh, EMBA before I was about a year, and he's still very active there at the at the business school. Uh, we had his company do a branding project for us, and uh, so we got all new graphics, all new you know sexy stuff, uh, and, and a message. We already had a successful product, but the communications and the look wasn't you know very professional uh and then so after we branded it people well you notice like when a product you know when you get 
a different Coke with a different color, it attracts your attention. So uh, it was so much more professional. I think that it attracted the attention of this company to want to buy us, basically. So I really kind of attribute that class and that branding project is leading towards the exit for that company, honestly. I know you have a list of of patents and publications on your resume. Um, Can you talk a a little bit about that and, um, you know, how, how that's contributed to your success as an entrepreneur? So when I started my new company, I had zero patents, zero grants, you know, I, I didn't have any of that stuff, but I had to invent a device to accomplish the goal that the new company was founded to do. So I invented the device. And so I got about six patents on that that technology surrounding that device and, a, and, a, and, a, and some, ver, some variations of it, that kind of thing. Uh, I really enjoy working with patent attorneys. Uh, well, at least the one that I had. He, I suggest that you look, if you want to get a patent done, go maybe not with a firm, but whoever you work with needs to understand business principles because you need to design your patents around not just the technical aspects of things, but they need to understand, tell you, look, this is going to affect your business this way. Or we could word it this way, and it's going to, you know, business-wise, it's going to let you expand here, maybe, or something. So uh, I, I was really fortunate to, uh, to have a person like that to, to call on. The other things I'm sort of proud of are I was able to get small business innovation research grants. Uh, I ended up getting funding the company through four clinical trials, uh, some very small, some big. Uh, and uh, so I got about $4.5 million total in uh, NIH primarily grants. I have a device, and or we wanted to approve this device, and it was for preventing infections, really, after implant surgery. Everybody kind of knows, usually, somebody who's had a knee implant or a hip implant that maybe got infected. You think you're going to, you know, be out walking on the track, you know, with your new knee. But if you get an infection, you're going to be having three multiple surgeries. Uh, Your life is going to totally change, you know, after that. So, uh, and they're very costly to to fix. So that was really the, my, what my product, what my design, my device did was it created a barrier between the incision area, the sterile field, and bacteria that would fall out into the incision sites from the air. And, and 97% of the bacteria that start these infections come, they don't come from the patient and they don't come from the air handling system. They come from people that shed particles in the room. And so by localizing or isolating that, that site right there, it, it prevented all, you know, all this activity and everything that goes on in the operating room, it puts it outside of the control environment. So that was really the key uh, behind the, the idea. In that business also, we had to get FDA clearance. Uh, they at first didn't want to clear our device, so I appealed it. So we got 
we won the appeal. There was this one holdout who's really had it in for us. As as soon as that became apparent, everybody was like, okay, you know, this guy's been railroaded, you know? So you just go, you don't take no for an answer. You just, you do it. Rice is um, very much known for its entrepreneurship program and has been, um, you know, a top ranking the last few years. What advice would you give an entrepreneur, a new entrepreneur coming out of Rice Business, whether they're in the full-time program or maybe the executive MBA program? My advice would be there are, uh, to get involved with the group, you need some peers uh, because being an entrepreneur can be the loneliest, most stressful job in the world. (laughs) Um, You typically have all the knowledge that is needed to start the business and you may not be able to afford other experts you know and, and you can't staff a whole you know squad of you know everybody that knows you know is very experienced and, and could do things so you take on a lot of the you do you have to take on a lot of the tasks and the responsibility and I also raised six million dollars, you know, from angels and kind of friends and family, and that really was a big responsibility to me. I mean, well, I knew these some of these people. I some of these people I went to MB, to MBA school with, you know. I think the three of the investors were in my class. So, uh, so that find investors <laughs> in your class if you if you can, but <laughs> you need to find some kind of support structure. Uh, it's not going to be your, you're going to be dragging your family through this, your wife or your husband or your spouse or partner and your kids, you know, you're going to be doing this all the time. Uh, and you're going to be frustrated and you can't take it out on those people. You know, you can't take it out on the, you know, the small staff that you have, you have to kind of, you know, be careful about morale and stuff like that. So, you need to build a network of other people, other entrepreneurs w- would be best. And, and Rice does have those, uh, oper- you know, groups available to uh, its students. And I would encourage joining one of those, even if you, you don't stick with it or you don't need it, I would join it. Uh, just, I, I like it just for the support, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of questions I have about, how to run a business or, or things like that, or how to set up or how to raise money. But, you know, the support is, is really, you know, the thing where you can share stories and, you know, somebody could be like, wow, man, I really, I really know what you're going through with this. You know, maybe there's a, a health issue going on and you're trying to manage all of these things or your, 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 one of your kids has a problem, you know, and you're, you get you know, entrepreneurs, they do this. This is, I say entrepreneurs do what they do because they have to. We just don't, we we have to do this stuff. We have to take everything on. We have to solve every problem. We got to go bulling, you know, through, you tell me no, well, I'm going there, you know. And uh, you can be very uh, self-centered, essentially, doing, you know, starting a business. By my the biggest thing I would say for an entrepreneur is have mentors, uh, get into a group uh, so you can share your problems and other people have answers that you don't have. And also for the just the, the psychological and emotional support of it. 
you've been through an exit and worked in the medical device field for some time. There's a lot going on in the in the Houston ecosystem right now with entrepreneurship and particularly in in the medical field. Um, what what have you seen in some of your observations and um, you know what what's taking place in the landscape uh, in Houston specifically? When I, I started the second business, uh, which I sold at the end of the last year, during the time during that business, things really changed in the in the hospital system standpoint. So used to be a physician could ask for your product, you could do a trial or give them a sample. If they liked it, in two weeks you got a PO for it. You know, it was it was not that complicated, but you had to it was complicated that you had to convince the surgeon or the physician or whatever. Well, that just totally shifted. So now surgeons and physicians have almost no say in what is being bought, you know, by the hospital. It's it it's usually administrators that do, and of course they have this notorious uh value added committee, you know, that's like a bunch of people that basically are trained to say, no, we don't want to spend any more money uh, on things, you know? So that really brought about the ideas that you could, you couldn't really sell into the operating room or to the physician only. You had to get the operating room director, you know, on board, you had to go up the chain and, and, you know, and, and, and actually, instead of a pull strategy or a push strategy, you had to really get a pull strategy. You had to talk to the heads of the departments, you know, in in administration and get their buy-in. And then they would implement your solution if they liked it through to everybody, you know, which I always was a little bit leery of because not everybody likes everything they use, right? Or that is offered to them during uh, surgery. So today, uh, you have to show value. You have to show either the same quality but cheaper, or uh, you know, improve quality with maybe a little bit more cost, or even better, improve quality at the same cost. You know that that flies really well. Innovation took a big hit for a few years there because you know innovative devices are not re- reimbursable by insurance because they're brand they're brand new usually. So uh, unless you're just doing kind of an improvement to an existing device. So we invented this whole new thing. And uh, so it, it was difficult. We had to show that it was going to cost them money. And now hospitals had started to be charged for the cost of these infections. It's kind of cynical, but it was told to me just flat out that, look, when a person comes in and gets a knee replacement, the first time we'll make money on that. When they get an infection and they come back in, we'll make money on them again a second time. It really turned me off when I heard people in the hospital tell me this, you know. Uh, but uh, it's it's a business. They run it like a business, and so now the Medicare is actually saying if that person that you put that knee implant comes in back in with an infection within 90 days, we're not paying for that. So there was the economic, you know, uh, impetus to, to try out new things and things. And and that's really what helped our company a lot uh, during that time. So, so that, that is, I think what 
you have to show if you're going to build a technology in the healthcare industry, at least in terms of uh, a device. Now, you know, there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of development in bioengineering, which, you know, deals with more the genetics and uh, the MRNA stuff that's really come out really big. Uh, so there's about half and half. There's TMCX, uh, Halo Fun, uh, Fan Street Studio, uh, you know, what? it's a small family <laughs> of people, you know, in, in the in the medical industry here, uh, which is kind of bizarre. Other cities are better set up to move technology from hospitals to entrepreneurs to businesses to the market. Houston, it doesn't work like that. It hasn't worked like that very well. It's harder to get the technologies out like there's they're too restrictive covenants on letting technologies get out into the field or what they do is so academic that there's not really a commercial application for something so Houston with the biggest medical center in the in the world is is not known as a real medical device innovator or having the funding you know funders for that but those are probably the groups that are most active in town right now uh you you want to get to know all those uh, people in all of those groups. Uh, I've never been a good networker, but you know I have stories that I tell, and you know the stories attract people. Uh, I'm I'm really a, a, an introvert more than I am an extrovert, but it, those are those are some groups that will fund early stage uh, companies. Uh, some of them will fund you, and they want to put in some uh, some. Uh, management of their own to help get it started. Uh, that's the, like Fanon Studios does that. I think that's much more valuable than just giving some money to, uh, you know, an unproven, you know, team because there's always usually some gaps there, you know, unless you, unless you really say, hey, I've got a customer that's going to be buying this thing. And if I just develop it, okay, that's different, you know, but if you're going to create a market for something, you need a pretty strong team to, to start that. And so, uh, you know, having, that's what those groups bring to the table for you. I would, I would not suggest going out and getting what they call, you know, not smart money, uh, where people that just give money and they expect, give me my check back, you know, in a certain amount of time, uh, with smart money, they understand the problems that you go through, why there, where there's hesitations and when they see they'll fire you if they need to fire you because they see you're not doing the right thing. That's just, that's just the way not fire you, but you know, they'll put you into a, a different position probably. And uh, those are probably the areas in Houston right now that are probably the most uh, active. There's some better support structures for new companies in terms of where to get prototypes done how to do studies, uh, how to get through the FDA. And, and this is where I'm really good at is from, you know, I wrote something on the back of a napkin to getting it on the marketplace. I'm not, I'm not as good at the sales and promotion kind of, the, of aspects of a device to the, audi- the commercial audience, but I know for sure how to get from what people consider the hardest part, which to me is, you know, not the hardest part. It's not easy, but I, I know how to do it basically. So, uh, so that's where I think my value lies with these companies and why I seek out early stage companies. I, it's just fascinating to me to 
to have an idea and have it come out as a product and then see it being used like you're like that just came out of my head a uh, great advice and we want to thank you so much for sharing your story sean self rice business class of 2006. all right go owls this has been i'll have you know thanks for listening you can find links and more information about our guests hosts and announcements on our website business.rice.edu Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts and leave us a comment while you're at it and let us know what you think. I'll Have You Know is a production of Rice Business and is sponsored by the Rice Business Alumni Board. The hosts of I'll Have You Know are myself, David Drugliever, and Christine Dobbin. 